A vague disclaimer is no one's friend. This podcast will look at episodes in relation to Buffy and Angel as a whole, and therefore contains spoilers for the entirety of both series. If you haven't seen all of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel the series, go and watch them before you listen to this. Remember, you've been warned. The hardest thing in this world is to live in it. That's why there's us, champions. We live as though the world were as it should be, to show it what it can be. The Earth is definitely doomed. It's Tuesday, so it must be time to return to the Hellmouth. We're going through the Buffyverse episode by episode and a look back at Joss Whedon's iconic shows. I'm MC, and I'm here with... This is David. And hi, this is Jan. And uh, this week we're missing Logan and Andy, and and we miss them so terribly, especially because Andy is, like, flat on her back, like, super not doing well so we love you andy and we love you logan we do i hope you feel better soon yeah we love you guys we miss you this week we are reviewing go fish which is episode 20 of season two it originally aired may 5th 1998 and was written by david fury and elin hampton and directed by david semmel so go fish yeah it's well (laughs) It's an episode of Buffy. Yes. Um, actually, one one interesting thing for me is there there is not a there is no supernatural element to this episode. Oh gosh, you're right. Well, we'll get into that. In I a mean, you could bit. you you could argue that the Hellmouth has an influence, but it's not even suggested. Yes. At any yeah, yeah, that's true. It's, I was surprising because I haven't seen this one in a long time because it's one of those like, yeah, if I'm going to watch an episode of Buffy, it's not going to be this one. It wasn't nearly as bad as I remember it at the time. It was actually kind of likable and it had some interesting, a couple of really salient points, or at least it tried to have a couple of salient points. So I was surprised. It's an episode. I think we'll, we'll have to go through things. So yeah. I mean, like the, yeah. the first thing that uh, happens is something that never, ever happens in Buffy. And which is especially surprising because they're in Southern California, but they're on the beach. I was going to ask about that. I was like, did we, have we ever before or since heard that Sunnydale is anywhere near a beach? Well, the beach comes up again once. They are shown on the beach in Buffy versus Dracula, I believe it is. Ah, okay. Okay. Yeah. And we see a beach in Anne, but that's in Buffy's dreams. So that doesn't really mm, count. Yeah. But- but yeah, they never go to the beach, which I thought it was a requirement that they go like every other episode in shows set in Southern California. Yeah, right? that's that 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 would have been my assumption. I was I, it was a I didn't know there was a beach. B, it's a show set in California. There should really be a beach, but we never see it. Right, yeah. and they made it into such a big deal that, like, oh, well, I mean, Buffy kind of like, well, or whoever it is says, well, you know, well, the, the team wanted to have their party here. and Like, it was a big special treat that they went to the beach, but you're in California, and why wouldn't you go to the beach? Well, I mean, Xander does complain about how cold it is, mm-hmm. and yeah. oftentimes it is very fucking cold at the beach. Yeah. Especially at night, so yeah. Yeah. But Xander's a stick in the mud, because he... Yes. He's not upset about them being at the beach. He's upset about the swim team doing well. He just doesn't like that people are doing better than he is. But that's almost everybody, isn't it? There is that. But I mean, you know, I mean, there there are reasons to wish a team not do well. I mean, I'm still upset that 
you know, Columbia University has won a football game because that that was their thing. They never won. And that made them special. Now they're just a bad football team. <laughs> well, that's like my I mean, my school, I'm an alum of Northwestern and my freshman year, my sophomore year, we actually broke the record for the number most number of losses like ever um, mm-hmm. to the point where they tore the goalposts out and threw them in Lake Michigan in celebration. And then we won a homecoming game shortly thereafter and they did the same thing. They uprooted the uh, mm-hmm. goalposts and the, the, then the school had to make a, a law that was basically thou shalt not touch the goalposts because they <laughs> couldn't afford to keep replacing them. But yeah, NU was like no, notorious for years and years and years of not doing well. So we were proud of being like the worst team in the Big Ten. Now we actually win games and we went to a bowl this year. So Yeah, but Xander doesn't have any of that going on. He's just no. like, I don't like people doing better than me. He's just mm-hmm. salty Xander. Well, I mean... Granted, as the episode goes on, I mean, we do have Xander's complaining, which is kind of a legitimate complaint that the swim team gets all these advantages and basically everyone else gets kind of, you know, trod under their boots. But isn't that true of like most sports teams in theory? Doesn't mean it's a good thing. No, I didn't. I definitely is not a good thing. But I, I mean, like my school didn't have a, a pool or a swim team, but I know that the people on the track team and the basketball team and the football team mm-hmm. all got... Like all sorts of perks that the rest of us didn't. And right. when I was at Northwestern, even with our losing his team, I had professors who complained about athletes that got all sorts of perks and were allowed to pass classes that they shouldn't have mm-hmm. because they were still athletes. So, yeah. I mean, but at this point in the episode, Xander has not heard about any of those perks yet. So he's just being That's a true. jerk. And it's not like the swim team has done anything to him personally. Jonathan, I understand having an issue with the swim team. <laughs> yes. yes. And by the way, can I just squee that not only did... Is this, the, is this the first episode where Jonathan actually gets named Jonathan? I believe so. No, actually, he gets named Jonathan in Reptile Boy, I believe. Okay. But I was just, you know, anytime we have Danny Strong, anytime we have a Jonathan sighting, especially in the early days, I have to squee because it's Jonathan. I mean, this oh, yeah. is the first time that he's been in more than one scene. So. Right. Yeah. And we actually get a little backstory on him, too. I mean, at least... He he played a part in this episode rather than just, you know, like, showing up as, like, an extra who gets into trouble. So he walks into the library and then has to leave, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was interesting, especially considering everything that Jonathan... Well, I mean, they were, they were really... I don't know if it was intentional to set him up as a long-term, you know, sort of foreshadowing or whether it just kind of happened, but it was kind of a nice bit, too. As I understand it, Danny Strong actually auditioned for Xander. Ooh. But Joss didn't feel like he fit the role of Xander because Joss has always had this inflated view of what Xander should be. Because he always wanted Xander to be, like, the cool loser, like, the loser that you knew would become, like, really, like, hot after high school. And I'm, like, projecting much, Joss. Right. <laughs> and also, Danny Strong is really cute. Oh, I adore him. I, I, I would rather go out with Danny Strong than, you know, Nikki Brennan any day. And, you know, not that I have a choice, but, yeah, yeah. I love Danny. Danny appeared in the original pilot, just okay. as an extra. Mm-hmm. And he appears, I think, in episode three, no, episode four of uh, season two. So they always kind of kept him like in mind. So I think they always knew they wanted to use him on the show and just kind of slowly they've built him up as a character. And then they, you know, by season six, they're like, well, let's do something really big with him. So and then, hey, Wentworth Miller uh, appearing. Yay. Yeah. Oh, OK. Which one's he? He is uh, Gage. Ah, okay. 
Yeah. Oh, you don't know Wentworth Miller is really. I know the I, I, I know the name, but uh, I I'm not really familiar with his work. I was it was really funny because I don't. I mean, it's been so long since I've seen this episode that I didn't know he was in it, and immediately it was like, oh my god, it's Wentworth Miller. I mean, I. I Mostly know him from um, Legends of Tomorrow, but I know he was in Prison Break and stuff. I know his face. Okay, you know, yeah, a lot of stuff. As an actor and, you know, the fact that, like, he came out and, you know, it just he seems like a really cool human being in general. So Yeah, so apparently he's been on a lot of stuff I should watch, but I haven't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think he's also been in some of the other DC Universe shows because it's the same character. Yeah. Mm. But but he was really good in Legends of Tomorrow. He was. He's, of course, most well known for doing Prison Break. Yeah, that that's kind of his big role. This is his first acting role, and he he commented about how intimidating, how out of his depth he was, you know, with like doing all of the prosthesis and everything. The beginning of this episode for me plays like a supernatural episode. I don't know. I just got like this really strong. Oh my god, it's supernatural because quote unquote killing of the character like right before the credits. It's something that Buffy actually does not do like a super lot, but supernatural does all the time. So mm. I and then after the credits, we're to Willow in class, but not actually in class. Willow, why aren't you in class again? You're again teaching. And it's like they're doing yeah. pie charts. Why does Willow yeah. need to teach that? I don't know what, I mean. I, I assume it's some kind of graphics programming exercise. Yeah, but it's like, again, why is a 16-year-old or 17-year-old student with no background and no training teaching a, a class in a school mm-hmm. with no supervision? And, mm-hmm. you know, I, assumably, no, well, I'm sure she wasn't getting paid for it. I mean, it just, ah, I the have logic a, of this I have an answer crazy. for this. I finally okay. have an answer for this. She is allowed to do this because Principal Snyder is a horrible education official. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Which is demonstrated in this scene. (laughs) That is very true. Okay. Uh, I also would like to know how the hell Gage got a school computer to play solitaire with naked ladies on the card in 1998. That's a very good question. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Maybe he's actually a brilliant computer programmer. He just doesn't want to do the classwork. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's that's possible. It just seems like something like a little too far for him to go. For, yeah. And, and I'm sorry, in 1998, I doubt those computers were going to be connected to the internet. Well, no, I wouldn't, wouldn't have say to that because I, I, when I was in high school, when I was taking my one basic programming course, which was 19... 19- 78 or 79 ish we were con- i mean we only were connected to the in- internet we were basically on vaxes and dialing up to well the yeah university. but at this point so you're... they could have had internet i mean yeah you know, i was on the internet at home so it's possible that they they were had a local yeah. university server or something like that i doubt that it just because school computers probably wouldn't have actual internet connection at that point but but i mean he wouldn't need the internet to put a program like that on the on the that's computer. true too so I, I'm just wondering if, like, if he brought, like, did he bring the solitaire with the naked ladies on it from home? I assume. <laughs> that's that's what and I'm guessing. Of all of the things thinking. to put on fucking solitaire, okay. So, yeah, yeah, well. Obviously, whoever wrote this episode was not that computer savvy or something. What? Computer mistakes on Buffy? Say it isn't so. Almost as much as, you know, at the, that time and earlier, the computer mistakes on Doctor Who, but... Uh, we won't go there. That's another podcast entirely. Yeah. One we don't host. But we no. know several yes. people who do. <laughs> yes. 
And Snyder. Oh, God, Snyder. Uh, so we love you, Armin, but Snyder is such a Oh, he is just bastard. the worst. He is <laughs> But the I worst. love to hate him. Oh, oh yeah. yes. He's a great character. Yeah. yeah, he's he's so vile, and this he's just kind of your stereotypical principal with the winning team. It's like yeah. it's almost like stock dialogue for for that kind of situation. It's just, mm-hmm. oh. yeah, but what's really sad is it's. I mean, it it happens. Like I said, I had professors at both Northwestern and also Syracuse for winter grad school who complained that they had like students who they had to give passing grades because they were on the the team and they had to get like a C average or something to just stay in school and stay on the team and they were so good that they had to be there so it happens unfortunately I, I, I do love Xander's comment about how, how you know some of us worked hard for those D's <laughs> that's right <laughs> yeah uh, that's one of Xander's you know better lines in this episode mm. I, I was going to move on to Cordelia oh yes just uh, Cordelia and I mean like this is like a, a She's been saying stuff like this for a long time, you know, like that people that are able to do certain things should have certain advantages. Mm-hmm. She was saying that about Buffy back in Ted, the communist Cordelia. <laughs> 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 but I mean, like, she's not wrong about Jefferson. Well, no, no, but, you know, that's... Uh... It, it's in that Cordelia, like, uh, kaleidoscope. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Cordelia has a certain perspective on things and that's yes. part of why we love her yeah. but but sometimes that perspective is like oh okay <laughs> can we move on now please <laughs> yeah she's i mean she's skewed because she's cordelia she's got her own point of view and oh, mm-hmm. i'll give her points for always being consistent and always being cordy it's not like she varies or suddenly comes out of you know out of nowhere so mm-hmm. yeah it's true. If, if if anyone's written consistently, it's Cordy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, Xander is written consistently sometimes, and it's consistently bad. Well, yes. Because yeah. in this scene when he's complaining about the swim team and their perks, he literally objectifies Buffy because he calls her a perk. Right. It's like, mm. this is your friend. Your friend, and you're talking to your girlfriend, and you are comfortable calling Buffy a perk. Hmm. Which is pretty shitty to do. awful. Especially considering what happens to Buffy. Well, yeah. In the very next scene. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is... Yeah. yeah, We're about to get to that, and I'm... Ugh. Yeah. Shall we just move on to that, or... Yeah, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to do this, but I almost feel like we should start a counter for how many times Buffy is almost raped on this show. Yeah. Oh, which actually should. Yeah. Because that's important. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those tropes that really sucks. Yeah. Uh, Just the whole, like, rape is is a dramatic plot point Mm -hmm. thing, so... It happens twice in this episode! Right. Well, I, I mean, I my, my immediate thought with this is, I mean, you know, this doesn't, you know, the, the whole sexual assault thing does not look good at any time. But from today's perspective, it's clearly like it would be more glaring now, you know, just because of the, what's going on in society at the moment. But the thing is, it's like here we have this like it wouldn't like now you wouldn't have the casual attitude towards it. That essentially happens here. Uh, on the show. You would hope. 
We would hope. But I mean, like, for instance, yeah. when, when something like this came up on Veronica Mars, it was dealt with much more extensively. It wasn't just like, oh, there was a sexual assault and then we'll just ignore it. Because that's what happens here. It basically goes right from she's been sexually assaulted to like, well, it was, you know, I was it was like I didn't start it. And she's like, oh, that's not what I saw. And you shouldn't dress like that. And and then it's over. They don't. There's no discussion. Giles doesn't even really right. defend her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and Schneider, it's like slut shaming her. Not that there's yes. anything to shame her on to begin with. And it's like, yeah, well, you were there in the car, therefore you were asking for it and dress better. And and that's what I think those are supposed to be punchlines, also. Mm-hmm. And like you know, the, the the comments about you know how her dress and everything else. And it's just like, stop it. This particular moment is particularly uncomfortable in light of the Me Too mo- movement that's yeah, been going on. Exactly. Yeah. And just everything about this is just like your cliched high school sexual assault. You know, the whole mm-hmm. she says no, he decides to not take no for an answer. The only thing is she happens to be a slayer. So it doesn't yeah. go any further. And just all of the responses from everybody in the situation and everybody in the situation is a guy because the nurse is out of it before anything is is addressed really Mm -hmm. um, the the sexual assault so it's buffy the principal and the coach and why the coach has any say in anything really shouldn't right well because the the assaulter is on the swim team yeah exactly right. so therefore and unfortunately i mean i was i can't i should have looked up his name because i'm bad that way but i mean we just saw this about the, the the kid out in california who the stanford kid who was you know getting off rape charges because oh my god it was going to ruin his career as oh, an athlete yeah. and blah 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 so that actually pinged in a bad way but it's so like casual here again yeah that it's very frustrating and it is terrible like what happens with the scoobs later when buffy is ranting they're just looking at her like they're annoyed that she's just come to this conclusion that the swim team is bad yeah okay it was brock turner is who i'm referring to the stanford ravis and big surprise he was also a swimmer so it's kind of weird synchronicity there Mm -hmm. but yeah but I did think of him immediately because it was just like, yeah, yeah the, and this, you know, it's 20 years later and this shit is still going on. Mm-hmm. So. But yeah, the Scoobs look at Buffy like they're annoyed that she's just come to this conclusion that the swim team is bad. And mm-hmm. it's right. like, show some concern about Buffy. Like, even yeah. though she's the Slayer, she can still be hurt. Yeah. And yeah. like in that situation, like she was actually very lucky because it was very close quarters. So actually fighting somebody off can be really hard. I mean, even I think even if you're the Slayer. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. just guys show like a little bit of decency. But uh, yeah. Buffy does brush it off pretty quickly. And they get into the fact that one of the swim team members is dead. I think Xander really likes Jaws a lot because he had mentions it several times over the course of the series. And I think this is the first one where he, make, he quotes the line, this is no boating accident. Yeah. Yes. Which I liked. Yeah. But, but uh, yeah. And funny thing, in this scene, Willow references an Oreo cookie. And mm-hmm. it might be an inside joke because Allie actually did uh, commercials for Oreo cookies. Ah. Oh, I did not know that. Yes. Okay. 
That was uh, before she was on Buffy, probably when she was a kid, because mm. Allie yeah. was a child actress. Right. Right. Uh, but my absolute favorite line in the scene is uh, Buffy's any demons with high cholesterol. <laughs> <laughs> because Giles is going to think about that later and he is going to laugh. And Xander mm. needs to go and get some food. So he goes to the, the vending machines and mm-hmm. gets into a pissing contest with Cameron. Yeah. And the first the first of several uh, product placements for Diet Coke, I should add, too. Yes. I noticed that there's a big... Diet Coke button, and later on, there's like Diet Cokes sitting on people's tables. Mm-hmm. So. But you notice that Xander does not go for the Diet Coke. That's your grape, orange, Gra- orange grape. grape. Yep. <laughs> also, I was wondering, it's like, you know, what's his name from the swim team? It like says, well, I get to go to the cafeteria because I'm on the swim team. And I'm like, wait, isn't the cafeteria just like closed? Where I mean, do they just leave food lying around for the swim team in the cafeteria? Apparently so, because he just, you know, nothing was closed for them, so I guess not. I mean, I mean, he never gets to it, but. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, that, that, that was odd. a weird thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Xander responds to the screaming and he uh, mm-hmm. sees one of the fish monsters. And yeah. I gotta say, for Buffy season two, I think the fish monsters look pretty good. Oh, they're not. Yeah, they're not bad. They're not bad at all. No. I mean, later on, we'll obviously see better, but this is season two. And mm-hmm. considering we're a couple episodes after that horrific, horrific werewolf, oh, they look yeah. good. They're absolutely passable. Yeah, they're pretty creepy for, you know, like fish monsters. You know, I, I thought they were kind of, you know, gross on, you know, not just like ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like, you've got to be kidding me. And uh, Xander goes back to the Scoobs and we see Cordelia uh, exhibit a skill we haven't seen before and cordelia is able to draw yeah Yeah. very well of course she also tells says to xander admit it you ran like a woman yeah Uh, toxic masculinity awesome yeah like you know talk to a couple of the you know gold medal track winning olympic olympians about running like a woman like stop it yeah Uh, well i mean it's not I mean, I can't even tell like who it's more offensive to. Is it more offensive to women, or is it more offensive to men, or is it just offensive to humanity as a whole? I I, I was going with it's just offensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like why why? There's no reason for it. Yeah, there really isn't. But yeah. it's 1988. It doesn't surprise me. They right often fall back into that horrible, yep. you know, and. It, for a show about female empowerment, Buffy can actually have a really bad track record with mm-hmm. actually empowering women as if they right. don't have superpowers. Uh, yeah. But they get into their investigation and Buffy is tailing Gage. And 20 years later, and this is the first time I've actually noticed Buffy was reading the magazine upside down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I missed that. Oh, God. I will say she's terrible at surveillance. She really is. <laughs> I think that is a recurring thing that she she's not mm-hmm. very good uh, no, at that. No. She'll leave that up to her successor, Veronica Mars. So. Yes, yes. And and did we did we skip over Willow's interrogation of uh, that's Jonathan? The same, yes. That's kind of it's that's, they're intercut together. That's but, intercut. Yeah, 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 that was. <laughs> I love Willow's interrogation style. That's just. Hilarious. But it was like I said, there was a lot of like early clues to the new direction here. If you think about like mm-hmm. her in season six, season seven, and you know, just like that, there, there's like this very slight like 
Willow's darkness creeping in mm-hmm. currently, hum- you know, humorously, but it's going to come back and blow up in her face. And then the line about like Jonathan in the dark arts. Yes, I was wondering about that. Oh my god! Like, okay, did somebody just like rewatch this later on and say we've got to do this? Yeah, is this is it is season six Willow's fault? Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) like this far back. (laughs) Yeah. To be fair, Jonathan was not the demon summoner. It was Andrew Mm. who was the demon summoner. True, true, true. Jonathan was all about magic, and he learned about magic from somebody in his like group therapy after mm-hmm. he oh, that's tries right. to commit suicide. Right, yeah, so actually there is a tale like on Jonathan's progression. Okay. But oh. it's like the first kernel of like, you know, dark evil Jonathan, which I love. Yeah. And like you said, the first kernel of uh, dark evil Willow cuz she is getting off on that power. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like between that and the axe murderer from um, the um, Bad at Titles, uh, Xander's Love Potion episode. Bewitched, oh. Bothered, and Bewildered. Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered, yeah. It's like, no, we're just, they're already like, there's seeds being sown, whether it was like intentional or not, of like Willow's like dark homicidal side, which I, I kind of like. They were seeding it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah. It's like, oh my God, you can see she's getting off way too much on this interrogation and. You know, at least she didn't, like, you know, flay him. Spoiler alert. And and with all of the flaying in this episode, none of it was done by Willow. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But for all we know, maybe this gave her the idea. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And we get a quick scene of Snyder with the coach. And Snyder is seriously a gift. A horrible, horrible gift. Yes. His line about, what was it, Cameron and the other one? Yeah. Or Dodge. He doesn't even care. They don't have names. They're yeah. just like win me win me awards and medals and who cares? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Plug and play. And, and we continue Buffy's uh tailing of Gage and she ends up at the bronze. Yeah. And they sell animal crackers at the bronze. Uh, yeah, I noticed that too. Again, product placement, but they're Barnums and yum yum. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I wasn't uh, thinking about product placement. I was just thinking, okay, it's my headcanon that Oz like asked I, them to, right. to right. have those. And <laughs> yeah. they like Oz so much because he's like their favorite musician there. So, And also, oh, it. it's Buffy's sexy coat. Right. I did notice she was wearing that coat again. So I thought of David. <laughs> yes, we, we thought that she didn't wear that coat again after Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered. But she wore it in this episode. She looked good. Yeah, she did indeed. I was thinking also about now that you're mentioning the the animal crackers. Maybe that's like actually Dingo ate my baby's like merch. Like, <laughs> like they actually like it's part of their their whole like you know package with t-shirts and CDs and odds would be that weird. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So uh, yeah, they're branded, but I love it. Yeah. And we get a our little tiny scene of Angel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just enough that we can get a hint of what's going on with Gage. I, I'm trying to figure out, is it steroids or is it the the fish DNA that's turning Angel off? Because, I mean, I feel like the steroids actually wouldn't turn him off. Right. He, would just, he might get a like some kind of crazy reaction to them just from ingesting them. But yeah, that shouldn't be like, oh, they taste like... I'm it. unclear that they're actually using steroids at all. I was actually wondering that myself, yeah. if they are using steroids. Or if it's just Russian fish experiments. Yeah. In right. Angel... The episode, not Orpheus, the episode before Orpheus, we do find out that Angel can be affected by drugs in somebody's blood. Of course, mm. Orpheus is a mystical drug, so there is that connected yeah. to it. 
Right. Uh, but yeah, so I would think that if it was steroids, that it would just give him some a boost of energy because mm-hmm. they're right. steroids. But if it is the fish DNA, I could see Angel mm-hmm. not wanting to eat fish blood. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it just tastes maybe it just tastes yucky because it's mm-hmm. not human blood. It's like there's some fishy aftertaste that he doesn't like. They that is brought up that demons yeah. do taste different than than mm-hmm. humans. So Yeah, I, I thought it was I thought it's a really good scene. I mean we don't get a lot of him there, but it was I mean it's funny, but it's also kind of like yeah, it's a, it's it's a really good story point of like yeah. suddenly that he yeah. is reacting to this and not in a good way and like hmm this is interesting because yeah. it's not normal. Well, apparently this episode was actually written for the first half of the season, which is why okay. there's so little Angel in it and why there's really hmm. no references to Angel being a bad guy outside of this scene. Like I mean, obviously right. they did tweak stuff to uh, work it for the late, latter half of the season with like Willow mm-hmm. teaching and everything. Yeah. First of all, yeah. I, I could see where this would be a, a first half of the season episode. This does. Yeah, it makes much more sense. Yeah. yeah. But it, it is kind of interesting that this late in the season, you've got this standalone episode that has nothing to do with the arc. Yeah. And I mean, this happened with another episode very recently. Uh, mm-hmm. Which one was it? Episode uh, before Passion. Oh, uh, phases? phases. Not phases. No, 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 no. Be watched. Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered. Was it that, that one? That was before Passion. I oh, think. no. Killed by Death. Ah, Killed by Death. Oh, right, Sorry. Right, right, yeah. That's right. the one I was thinking of. Right, which was okay. not before Passion. It was, yeah. it was the episode yeah. after okay. Passion. Well, as we were talking about then, I mean, maybe I, I have a feeling there must have been some production hitch in it, or they something wasn't working out. So they had to like pull this one to just plug it in there just to have a show. So, Which is usually how that works. If they'd worked it for earlier in the season, they may have had it fairly far along and they were like, oh, we need a script. Yeah, it's also possible maybe they didn't like this one as much, and they were, they kept on putting off doing it, and they're like, okay, mm-hmm. we're right before the finale, and we need to have stuff plugged in before the finale, so. Right. Because it is very much a random episode, and it's not... Yeah, it is. It's not a bad episode, but it's not a particularly strong one. And it's weird filler, and yeah, the, the arc that they've been building up. Especially right, right at this point, where we're, we're literally right before the, the, conclu- the, you know, the climax of the season. It's sort of like it's this. It's like there's this gap between what came before and becoming. It's like there's this episode that just kind of is there. When Gage asked Buffy to walk him yes. home, I thought that was actually sweet. And that's kind of like a, a flipping of the normal like horror movie trope, where yeah. usually it's like the big, strong, mm-hmm. hunky guy, you know, being asked to take the the, the victim girl home. So I like that. I just mm-hmm. yeah, like noted that was kind of a nice touch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so the girls are watching the swim practice, and I really like. Gage stopping and waving yes. at Buffy. It was yes. super adorable. It's very sweet. Yeah. yeah. Well, Gage seems to be, I mean, he's kind of like not all, you know, that smart, but he seems to be a decent human being comparatively. Yeah. I mean, they never. We, we don't I... really get a take on his personality much. Yeah. He's just like, we're following him. And then Buffy has this interaction with him where he's kind of pissed off that she's following him, which is reasonable. And then the angel thing. Yeah. Gage wasn't one of the ones who was torturing Jonathan. That was entirely Dodd. Mm. Right. And also, and he was not a rapist like Cameron. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gage is the only one who actually doesn't have a strong reaction to the fish DNA because everyone else is shown to be really aggressive beforehand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Gage 
isn't like at all like if anything yeah. he's actually the opposite because he's following buffy's lead and he's very mm-hmm. scared about what's going on yeah. but he still turns into a fish but he still right. turns into a fish i love willow's patchwork shirt i think she's worn it before and i probably said i loved it then but it is adorable mm-hmm. i always wanted that shirt <laughs> And it's just a random question. Once again, it's like, where is Oz? Because we haven't seen Oz in like... Yeah, it's been well, a while. Well, I mean, that yeah. might explain... If this episode was supposed to be for the first half of the season, that might actually explain why mm. Oz is not there. present. Yeah. And also, I don't know, it's possible maybe Seth was off filming something at the time. I was actually just thinking that was a possibility, yeah. Possibly can't hardly wait. Yeah, no, he's a bu- he was a busy guy, and I mean, that's the whole reason he leaves the show eventually. And right. I think this is the final episode he misses before... I think maybe he misses, like, one episode in season three, because he's a regular mm. then. But... Okay. Yeah, he, he'll... He's back for the finale, and will be yeah. a regular in season three. And then we get the big moment... Of this episode like i think this is like the moment that everybody remembers from this episode for whatever reason it's the panning shot of xander and the speedo yeah yes well it's a good scene it works i mean mm-hmm. it definitely does what it's supposed to do i gotta give xander credit for taking the initiative to go undercover because yep. no one told him to do that he's just mm-hmm. like oh, yeah i'm gonna do it and i give the production credit for not signposting it obviously yeah yeah it's actually the first time i saw this episode it was actually a surprise including like oh wow like you know nikki is actually a lot fitter than because he usually wears like baggy clothes not that i thought he was like you know flabby or anything else but you didn't i never thought of him as that fit and then suddenly it's like oh hello just like cordelia's reaction but cordelia should know these things (laughs) i'm not a huge fan of nikki Nikki's aesthetic and that's no right. shade on Nikki. I, I like him but I'm just not into his looks and I'm not even a, I'm not a fan of speedos either guys in yeah. speedos don't do anything for me but I can acknowledge he looks good I do I think I heard in an interview that Nikki was warned like a couple weeks ahead of time so that he could like work out a little bit to get himself into yeah. a nice condition because we did see him earlier in the season and granted it was like a different situation it was when he for reptile boy when they had him wearing the bra and stuff and he shall shirtless oh, yeah. he does yeah. not look as good and it's not because of what he was wearing he was just not quite as fit so good on the production for letting nikki work out a little bit to get himself into peak shape <clears throat> Yeah, no, it was very, I mean, like, I'm not a huge fan of him normally that way. And, you know, again, with Speedos, other than, like, the David Duchovny scene from X-Files, which is very similar, if I remember correctly, where Mulder suddenly shows up somewhere in a Speedo. It worked, just the whole, like, comedic and also the, I don't want to say objectifying, but just, like, the the erotic nature, uh, for lack of a better word, of that moment actually works really well. And Cordy's reaction is great. All three of the girls are eating the eye candy. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. even Buffy is, like, Xander. Yeah. And I like the fact also that, again, we are, our expectations are flipped a little bit, and it's the male character who gets to be the eye candy and not, you know, yeah. like, mm-hmm. whoever in a skimpy bathing suit or whatever. It's nice. So it was it works really well. I, I also love that, you know, like, Xander's, like, just parading around like this until he sees his girlfriend and his friends. And then it's like he grabs one of the boards to cover himself. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like, he's fine with strangers seeing him like that. 
but the woman he's dating oh my god <laughs> like that's yeah. that's like no <laughs> so there are three parts of this whole exchange that i really love i love um buffy when xander says i'm undercover and just sarah's delivery yes. of not under much yes <laughs> Because it works really well, because Sarah, I love Sarah as an mm -hmm. actress, but mm -hmm. she cannot laugh act. She cannot, she cannot laugh, like, mm. fake laugh at all. But her amusement, just that little snicker, yeah. works really well. And then I love Okie Dokie Kochi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and after Cordelia says... Yeah, I'm dating a member of the Sunnydale High swim team and Buffy's. You could die happy now. Yes. <laughs> and again, once again, like props to charisma because just like the way she plays that and her reactions all through, it's just comedy gold. Mm -hmm. and, and it's just more like, I love Cordy just so damn much. So We go from Xander guarding the uh, Gage and the rest of the swim team and then Buffy takes over. There's a scream and Buffy runs in and I got the effects on Gage turning into the swim the monster are really good they're well done yeah, yeah. it's gross well yeah it, it, it respects the show as little as possible uh technique yeah which is like they they don't they don't like focus on like every detail of what's happening so it, it leaves it to your imagination yeah. which makes it work better yeah. yeah, and also, it, it, that's one of those cases where it actually makes it grosser and creepier, mm -hmm. which I like, you know, because yeah. instead of being splatter porn and going into detail, it's really gross. Oh, yeah, there's a point where I, I just turned away from the screen. Yeah, yeah. I was like, Ugh. And I mean, like, it, it is so iconic that it actually does end up in uh, the opening of season three, but that mm. shot of gauge like pulling away the skin from his hand and his claws yeah. coming out yeah. and you can see like all of like the gunk on them and it's like oh yeah. it's so gross but also yeah. is really effective so yeah yeah and especially for season two buffy yeah it's like yeah. yeah it really works well yeah. so mm -hmm. and now the episode will stop cold for the psa uh. on steroid abuse <laughs> just say no kids yeah, I do have one question about the whole fish transformation thing. Each of the guys that turns into a fish smells something horrible right before they turn into a fish. Yes. I find it odd that they're the one who smells something horrible. You're right. <laughs> Unless, I mean, I was wondering, like, is it the other ones coming in and that's what they smell well, like? Well, no, because the other two yeah. don't have that. Gage is right. the only one who encounters another fish person as he's turning into a fish person. Well, actually, right. Dodd didn't smell something strange. Didn't the person he? who found his body or found his skin th smelled something strange. Oh, I thought he did. I could maybe I'm wrong. Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Dodd disappeared, and was it? It was Gage who smelled something wrong. So, or one of the other swim team members. I can't. Cameron remember. did also. Yeah. 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 But but Gage actually starts smelling under his shirt, like you know. They, well, he he. Yeah. Is, you're right. It's weird. He shouldn't notice it. It suddenly just should be happening. Yeah. Yeah. But it might have been the other fish monster we don't know it's mm -hmm. it's yeah. weird i don't it's yeah and they wanted to put something in there to try and and, and the red herring yeah dun 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 yes <laughs> yes. yes this is yeah. this is ironically a, a an episode full of red herrings it is <laughs> and, but yeah like, seriously the episode stops cold while we get into their whole 
you know, steroids are bad. Mm-hmm. And in the end, it's like, was it steroids? Like, yes, they exhibit symptoms of steroid abuse. But as we mentioned before, they, they don't explicitly say that it was steroids. No, they never yeah, do. There's the whole thing about the Russian experiments with fish DNA. And what the hell does that have to do with steroids? So. Yeah. 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 But maybe maybe they were on steroids as well. I mean, maybe the steroids need to be used to trigger it. Oh, yeah. yeah. But again, it, it's... Well, they, there's some sort of mixture, but also, like, I've never heard of steroids been... Or DNA, for that matter, working through steam. Yeah, no. Well, actually, well, if you think about it as an inhaler, a rescue inhaler, you know, for asthma, that's steroids, and that actually is, like, breathed in... Oh, that is true. ...for your lungs. So, so that makes sense... Yeah. Even like for steam, but not like DNA recombination or whatever oh, no. the hell was going on there. No, that makes That's no sense. That's completely bizarre. No, that would not make sense. But I mean, I almost think like we were saying they were aggressive. Like that's like the steroid abuse. And one of the things about steroids is it does because it's the it, it affects the adrenal glands. Mm-hmm. That's why you get the roid rage and that's right. why you get the aggression. So maybe there was steroids involved or maybe they think there's steroids involved, but there isn't. Who the hell yeah. knows? Yeah, it's it's not made clear. This this whole episode, or the the whole uh, plot line, was based on the 1976 East German Olympic women's swim team. They won 11 out of 13 golds and were accused of steroid use. But it wasn't until after the fall of the Iron Curtain that it was found out that they had been given steroids. But they were given to them as preteens, and they were told they were vitamins, so they didn't even know right. that they were taking steroids. Oh. Yeah, and this is kind of like the whole uh, idea that in, in the Buffy universe, they were actually given fish DNA. As you do. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and I mean, this is where I will argue about it being a little magic-y. I, I, they don't suggest it in the episode, but... Mm-hmm. In my head, it's like, oh, so this is kind of the same thing as uh, with Marcy. This is kind of science-based, but it works because it's on the Hellmouth. Right. There's like some supernatural element that creeps mm-hmm. in that makes it work where it wouldn't have normally because if you weren't on the Hellmouth. Yeah. So. I, I accept that. I mean, it's just, it's, the problem is that they never quite really explain it or make it, it's just, a, it's a muddled They mess. give us nothing in that yeah. respect. I mean, as while I've had no problems with this episode up to this point, it's actually at this point where I have a note that says this is where this episode falls apart because this was actually a fairly interesting episode up until Gage turns into a fish creature. And then when you find out that the coach is involved and the nurse is involved and everything, mm-hmm. the episode starts what had started fairly strongly even if it was kind of goofy it it all kind of becomes a mess of just things happening and no real rhyme or reason i almost wonder if like they had this story and they had like a partially written the first half of it let's say script and then they had to finish it off and they had to like rush it to get it into production and that's why because there wasn't any time to actually think about the rhyme or reason. Well, we got to get into. We got to finish this script off and let's go because it was mostly done. Yeah. Because that almost like it almost feels like it just like they tacked on that that whole last act yeah. as it were. Well, it you it know. could have been that that was the reason why they held off the episode is because right. there was a third act problem that they just couldn't figure out, and then it's just like, okay, do you know what? We're at the end of the season. Even if it's got the third act problem, we got to put it in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it, it, it feels like that. Because you're right. I mean, and other than like Gage's lack of you know character development and the first half at least is like really or first two thirds is really good or could have been really good it's just that the the whole 
resolution, et cetera, gets mm-hmm. like so paint by numbers, it's painful. Yeah. I am curious as to Sunnydale having both a swimming pool and a steam room, especially the steam room. That feels really odd for a school. It does. I mean, that may be a college, but not a not mm-hmm. an actual like high school. I mean, like I know I've had friends who have had have kids who have like swim teams and they have a pool in the school, but yeah, they don't have a, a steam room on top of that too. That's pretty la di da. I mean, of course that that doesn't include also the fact it's really weird that Sunnydale has all of these underground catacombs that lead to the ocean right yeah well sunnydale seems to be that kind of town that whatever you need it when you need it i mean it just manifests magically (laughs) you know whether it's the airport the university Mm -hmm. the major you know the army base um, right i mean i mean it's 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 established that they have this whole tunnel system well yes um you know uh, that it leads to the ocean is weird but that's I think part of that may just be because we're still, like, it still feels like they shouldn't have an ocean. <laughs> well, they really shouldn't, because actually, I mean, think about one of the last scenes in Buffy, when Sunnydale has been sucked into the Hellmouth. Right. And it's in the middle of the fucking desert. Like, you, j- it's yeah. the, this big yeah. desert, it's and then the sign falls in. And so it's like, okay, so I guess the ocean is actually outside of town. But then how do you, suge- how do you? have the school connected to i also i get the feeling like that because the sunnydale was intentionally built to be on a hellmouth that the school is probably at the center of town mm-hmm. because right. like the the town should be centered on the hellmouth mm-hmm. so if the school is in the center of town and the beach is presumably outside of town then how is the school connected to to the ocean so that fish monsters can get there i don't know it's magic it's done for the fish monsters (laughs) yes and and see this is the kind of episode that this is where it's like Mm -hmm. at this point we've been talking basically about the episode like what's been going on we like this we like that and now it's like let's get fucking nitpicky about the entire Mm -hmm. you know how sunnydale works Right, because there's no internal yeah. logic and it makes no sense. And also we're paying attention to that because the story is suddenly falling apart so badly that we can't just brush it off. It's like, well, who cares? Because this is really super dramatic or this is really like engaging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, the next scene, like, the, I don't want to talk about the next scene because the next scene is the second attempted rape on Buffy. Right. Yeah. yeah. She goes to the coach and gets the exposition about what's going on. And it's just this really fucking blatant exposition where he's just like, here is everything that all of my evil plan. And right. oh, by the way, I had a gun and here I'm going to point it at you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Of course, he went to this hole to be gang raped by these by fish, fish creatures. Yes. Talking about nitpicking as soon as that was also like, they're fish creatures. Do we even know whether they're like compatible with human anatomy? I, like, yeah. you know, to be able to rape them because they're now fish monsters. Hey, have you and- not seen The Shape of Water? No, I have not seen it, but also that was different because that's an alien or, you know, that's some kind of like monster. It wasn't humans who have now been turned into fish. So it's some sort of fish creature? Yeah, I, I don't know. And I haven't seen the movie, but isn't that consensual? Well, yes, yes that's very consensual. Okay. It's very <laughs> consensual. I'm just saying that if you... I'm saying that if you look at the creature from The Shape of right. Water, he actually doesn't look all that different. He looks like a high-budget version of the <laughs> monsters from this episode. 
Right. Right. And I, I know he's like, you know, quite anatomically correct for a humanoid, but I don't know. Just like the whole like, because it's fish DNA and everything else. I was just like, are we sure that they still like, well, they have the right got parts human and... DNA and obviously they do. So yeah. It's just like the whole thing is screwed up. And also I just, I mean, we never talked about Conchetta Farrell being in this and I love Conchetta Farrell as an actress. And I felt she like really got like the the short end of the stick because it's suddenly like, oh, now I'm going to throw you in there and you can be fish, fish boy dinner, you know, the end. And and she's a good actress and she got like, and also that was also like really, really wrote like, well, now I'm going to be evil and throw you in there and kill you off in some dramatic way because we don't need to. It also doesn't make sense why he's so devoted to these mutants because yeah. like we keep on trying to figure out exactly what we're supposed to call the fish monsters they're mutants right. that's exactly right. what they are yeah humanoids from the deep like coach <laughs> like it's is all, all about the team like like why is yeah. he still so devoted to are, them? does he really think they're going to be able to compete like this well maybe maybe it's like air bud there's no rule that says <laughs> fish monsters can't compete in the swim meet so but can you imagine like going against i don't know shelbyville high you know swim team and all of a sudden there's like fish monsters coming out to like you know to swim against them do you think they're really gonna like accept this yeah like, yeah what is his motivation at this point they're his boys but they, they can't swim they cannot be part of the team yeah. now yeah in theory it's it's it, it, when when buffy says that he's he's like he missed the sanity day it's like i normally i don't trust untrained people making diagnoses like that but yeah no he's nuts <laughs> I, I, and i think the best part of this last third of the episode is the bit with cordelia and xander yeah and, and oh, i mean yes. it's not even xander oh, yes. it's cordelia yes again yeah i i do love that she says we could still date yeah i'm like what okay <laughs> that's Kind of sweet. I well, I mean, here's the thing: we also we don't know like how sentient the fish monsters are, because right. I mean, like th- we know they're aggressive, mm-hmm. and, and they lost their human skin, and they're mm-hmm. hangry. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, are they not intelligent? I mean, well, I mean, they're intelligent enough that they're able to get out and swim right. to the ocean. Yeah, right. And also, they 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 apparently know that there's a human female that they want to, you know get jiggy with i also i also noticed by the way when we see the nurse's body float by she's got a couple of like couple of inch holes in her back yeah it doesn't yeah. look like they ate much of her no they didn't isn't her head missing or something no nope, um, no her head's there okay. pretty sure her head's there so it's like like really it's like she's it looks like she's been like pierced by like big spears or something but it doesn't look like she's been eaten yeah yeah it's again that's like mm. the logic of this episode goes out the window yeah completely. yeah granted that's the effects department though. cordelia's scene with xander is really nice oh that's she's like we can still date i'll buy yeah. you bath toys yes and she's just you can tell how much cordelia really loves xander mm-hmm. and i have said that for several episodes i actually oh, yeah. think cordelia is much more invested in this relationship than xander is Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and it was at that moment I also that's when I thought of Shape of Water because it was just like you know well you know you haven't seen this movie it won't be out for another twenty years but there is actually a precedent for this forty <laughs> human human women and fish monster boys can actually get together and be happily ever after or something and, I haven't seen the movie so and, and, and win an Oscar for it so <laughs> right exactly. <laughs> Maybe maybe Guillermo del Toro saw this episode and then that was like oh wait I can I can 
No, he saw the creature of the Black Lagoon. Yeah, well, that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, By the way, speaking of the costumes, which we mentioned earlier, are pretty good for this. I have to say, I really think it's great that they they did something along the lines of the creature from the Black Lagoon. I mean, it's very it's very reminiscent, but clearly different. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a tip of the hat. It's 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 not it's not like they just stole the costume or reused a costume. Mm-hmm. It was like they made new costumes that were clearly influenced by it, but did something different. But I mean, this is also another sign that this was a very early season two episode because season one and early season two, that's when they did. It's like, what universal monsters can we do? Mm-hmm. And this is very right. much their mm-hmm. creature from the Black Lagoon. Yes. And, oh, absolutely. So. I almost wondered if this was even this story may have been kicking around. If, granted, it was supposed to be early season two, but was it something that was kicking around for season one, perhaps even in just a a theoretical way that they then went ahead mm-hmm. because it felt it felt like that. Possibly, I think there was a lot of season two episodes that were kind of season one episodes it's just that they only had 13 mm. episodes for season one so right i mean or they just had a checklist of all the universal monsters that they wanted to touch upon as it were and mm-hmm. went on from there so yeah. this episode is really weird I, was, I mean this is like where the ep- like i said third third act falls apart mm-hmm. xander saves the day mm-hmm. like buffy actually has very little impact on anything in this Mm-hmm. Which is frustrating because she's the Slayer and like if she can kick vampires' asses, why would she not be able to kick fish monsters' asses? Assuming fish monsters have asses, but well, they do. But yeah, but yeah, she's she's like she's like what is she so traumatized by the thought of being gang raped by fish monsters that she can't fight her way out of it? It's just like annoying. No, she's obviously not. She's trying to she's trying to jump out of the hole and she's just not able to get enough. Yeah, uh, right. verticalness that she can get up. But I mean, why'd she get into the hole in the first place? Because yes, he had a gun on her, but we've seen Buffy fight people with guns before. Mm-hmm. Right. I was I was wondering that. Yeah, and he's also like a chunky middle-aged man, so it's not like he's gonna. It's not like he was like built like you know Arnold Schwarzenegger or something. He probably would have been easy to for her to yeah. fight or should have been. She's he's not Angel. Xander well, <laughs> fought him in right. Like Buffy gets into the hole. And then when Xander comes in, Xander fights him and is able to get the gun away from him and is able to get Buffy out of the hole. Mm -hmm. So Xander saves Buffy and I'm not comfortable with this. Yeah. Mm. But whatever. Okay. So, yeah. And then uh, the coach falls into the pit and... ugh. Maybe he gets gang raped by the fish monsters? We don't know. No, okay. um, we do, because Buffy says those guys really love their coach. Mm-hmm. So that's like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which is uh, moving on. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's like that episode of Red Dwarf with the pheromones that we try not to think about, which is at the same damn punchline. So Yeah. Uh, and the best part of the end of this is, again, Cordelia. When she's like, you don't have to try out for the team next year. I'll yes. you this, even if you just played football. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I don't understand. Okay, so the fish monsters get away, and why aren't you going after them? Because Cameron waxed poetic about loving the ocean in the first scene, and therefore we know they're going to swim out to sea and never be seen well, again. Well, I mean, what? even if they swim out to sea, they've already been proven to be cannibalistic right Mm -hmm. well it's maybe that's only opportunistic maybe if they have the whole ocean to work with they won't be eating humans 
I don't know. Also, there's only boy fish monsters as far as we know. So theoretically, they're never going to reproduce. So eventually they'll die off and that's okay. It's kind of, sort of like um, I was thinking of the Doctor Who episode Vampires of Venice. Yes. Which is sort of I similar. was reminded of that several times during this episode. Yeah. Uh, only that's a much, much better story. Well, yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe they just, you know, there's no girls for them to repopulate with. Mm-hmm. So we don't have to worry about, you know, a whole taking over by fish monster people and we're okay with that i i don't know my thing about the conclusion is buffy talks about how they went home i'm just like what what does that mean <laughs> sunnydale well no but seriously i mean like what would be home for these people these creatures well wasn't that the poem that cameron it wasn't that cameron's poem about the ocean is my mother and i, I don't remember the actual line i but, guess but there, i but... thought there was something about home which has nothing which was stupid anyway so yeah but i mean their home if they have a home it's sunnydale I mean, it's not like they're native to the to the ocean in any way. It's it's yeah. it just. Uh, but yes, as you, as you say, we hit the last third of the episode and everything goes off the rails. They're going back to Atlantis. I actually way back when I was still writing my virtual series, I was planning to do an episode where the swim team monsters came back and it was going to be, it was actually going to be really cool. I was really looking forward to it, but then I ended the series, but it was basically going to be the swim team mutants came back as heralds of an old one, you know, one of the, the first demons that, that existed on earth. And I was never going to name them, but I'm not saying that it was Cthulhu, but it was Cthulhu. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> fatang fatang. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, uh, Connor would have tangled with the swim team mutants and they would have been they would have been shown to be like still have some intelligence and there would have been other followers and stuff and I was like I should have done that because I, I really liked paying off old episodes that kind of never had a follow up. So yeah, that was uh Go Fish. So Yeah. Yeah. This, episode it was there was a couple of landmarks in this episode Mm -hmm. this is the last time that the opening prologue of in every generation uh that's the last time it was used and this is the first time in a while it was odd that it was used in the first place well i believe that they used it on episodes that ran short that was my guess All right, that makes sense. Yes. And this is the first episode written by David Fury, and he will become a longtime writer. Like, up until the the last season of Angel, he is present. And he also appeared in a couple episodes. He was the Mustard Man, and he will... Yeah, he... Yeah, this is his first one. The last one he writes for Buffy is Lies My Parents Told Me, all the way. That's, like, one of the last episodes of season seven. And he, he did some really good episodes. This is not one of his good ones. Yeah, I know he goes on to do stuff. I mean, he was, I think it was the first season of Lost. He was like producer and writer on also. So yeah, I mean, this is like, he, he has a big trajectory as a, as a writer producer person. So this is really sad that this is like his, his premiere episode in Buffy. I mean, you got to start somewhere. True. At least he gets better. Right. He wrote 29 episodes of Buffy and Angel. Wow. So yeah, he was in there. He was in there a lot, and that includes writing several finales uh, mm. and several openings. So yeah, he was one of the the big writers on the show. He became, right. was supervising producer in season five and co executive producer in season six. What about his co author? Do co writer? Do we ever hear from that person? Elin Hampton. That is actually his wife. Oh, okay. Yes, and the, she. This, I, I stand believe, is her only credit. 
So Hmm. as for other trivia for this episode, the music was Man's Chinese by Naked at the Beach Party. And If You'd Listen by Nero's Rome at the Bronze while Buffy is stalking Gage. Hmm. Okay. Never heard of either. I've heard of Naked before. So uh, final thoughts on Go Fish. I I think I've used up all my thoughts. (laughs) Uh, Same here. There really isn't much to say. It's, It's an episode... You know what? I think whatever was interesting about it, we covered. Yeah, it's one of those things where it probably, with a lot of work, it could have been a really good episode, mm-hmm. or or at least a much better episode. But yeah. it didn't. It, it falls flat, as flat as a house. It, it's essentially. It, it's like if this episode had never been made, I don't think it would really matter. Yeah, we'd never miss it. I mean, I don't. Yeah. I, I don't think it's bad. It's just like, yeah, this is not. There, there's, there's no arc significance. There's no, it's not a particularly good episode. I mean, honestly, I like the most important part about this. The most important thing in the episode, I think, is is Cordy's reaction when she thinks yeah. Xander's turned into a fish. I was going to say that the most important thing in this episode was Xander in a speedo. <laughs> I can, I mean, it's not important for me, but I know there's a lot of people who really like That's that. True, yeah. But in terms of, yeah, I know what David's saying in terms of like the character arcs yeah. and in terms of just, yeah, the best, it's just showing Cordy as Cordy and Cordy's actual devotion to Xander. Yeah, Xana, yeah. Which that she actually cares about Except for her. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I mean, like at the same time, it's not really character development for Cordy because we've already seen examples of it. It's true. not like this episode stands alone as, no, yes, this no, is that's true. the moment but I where. Think, I think this yeah. is, this is just incredibly explicit. Like yes. when, when she says, we can still date. I mean, yeah. that's, I mean, it's, it's Cordy and it's funny, but she actually said that to a fish, <laughs> you know? The other like small significant thing is just the Willow and Jonathan stuff, which, I mean, they could have seeded elsewhere, but it, it, it is like I said, a very early clue to a right. new direction that we didn't even know about at the time. And also finding out that Jonathan was vindictive enough to pee in the pool. I don't know. Just to, again, like it gives a hint to Jonathan and where he's going to go. To be fair, I find that not surprising. Yeah, yeah, mm. I don't think it's it's not unexpected at all, but the fact that we know that he actually is not I don't know if a vindictive is the right word, but he's he he gets his revenge in little ways and mm-hmm. it's not just yeah. like being everybody's like, you know, foot, uh, emotional football mm-hmm. and not taking and, and just taking it without. But that's not a huge reason for this episode to exist. It it could have been removed and I don't think a lot of people would miss it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. next week, next week, oh, Woo! that is a landmark. Next week, we'll be reviewing Becoming Part One, and we're going to try and get all of our hosts on this one because it's, well, what can yeah. you say, but it's Becoming Part One. So until then, grr, arg. Grr, arg. Grr, arg. We'd like to thank everyone who downloaded the podcast, and an extra special thanks to everyone who shared, liked, and subscribed on social media. If you'd like your questions or comments read on the show, you can contact us on our website, returntothehellmouth.com, on YouTube at Return to the Hellmouth, on Tumblr and Facebook at Return to the Hellmouth, on Twitter at HellmouthReturn, or on email at returntothehellmouth at gmail.com. We'll be sure to read your comments on the show. Be sure to rate our show at iTunes and Stitcher, and check out our show merchandise on TeePublic and Redbubble. See you on Tuesday for Becoming Part One. Grr. Arg.